Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate that. And it's a privilege to be here. We are honored, honored and grateful to be a part of this week. And I thank Pastor for uh, continuing to do this. We scheduled this a while back. And I'll be honest with you, as a missionary, and I've talked to other missionaries, most missionaries have had everything canceled. And uh, so to have a meeting is great. And, and you know, we are at 30%. We we only were on deputation five months when, when everything stopped uh, at the end of February. And so thank you, brother. I'll get that. Uh, and so uh, there we go. I had to get my mic on. But, you know, we're grateful to be here, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And uh, so we're going to be talking about prophecy. We'll get into a little bit, little bit of that this morning and then more of that through each evening service. Um, each evening service, we're going to have a question of the night. And so here's what we're going to do. The question tonight will be about this morning's service. The question on Monday night will be about Sunday night and so forth. And so if you know the answer, you text the answer to pastor right away. As soon as I give the question, we'll start tonight called the question of the night. If you are the first one with the answer, the right answer, by the way, and you get that text into uh, the pastor, then you'll get two things. You'll get one of the coins off of our table from Israel. They're called shekels. They still use shekels like they did in Bible times. We'll give you a coin from Israel. Uh, has Hebrew writing on it, that kind of thing. And you'll get one of these cards from Walmart, okay? Yeah. Where can you get a deal where you can get money from Israel and a Walmart card at the same time? I mean, only at Fostoria Baptist Church, Amen. Let's take our Bibles, go over to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12, if you'll go over there. Listen, if you're listening from home, watching live stream, thank you so much. You know what? If this is the way we have to do church for the moment, then be faithful to God in this way. You know, I don't think any of us like doing church by live stream. But you know what? If that's the way it is right now, so be it. So don't turn the TV on to watch something else. Don't switch the computer off. Be faithful to God and His Word through church. Amen? And so look with me at Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth month of this, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and shall strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat." Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Help us to pay attention and, Lord, listen and to learn what you would have for us. 
Lord, what I have to say is of little relevance, but your word has a lot to say to us today. So we pray that you'll open our hearts and your Holy Spirit would use your holy word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Years ago, as a pastor, God laid on my heart. It was in 2005, I was doing a study on the book of Revelation, and I kept seeing Israel, Israel, Israel pop up in the book of Revelation. Now, I wondered, I wondered how much is going on to reach those people now. And so in 2005, I, I took a trip to Israel, and I uh, realized they had a need for gospel literature. And so God laid on my heart the need for literature in, in the Hebrew language. And I, I actually tried to get several track companies to write a, a gospel literature in modern Hebrew. And, and I could find no one who would do it. And, and, and so God led me to start studying. And, and you know, uh, a couple years ago, some years ago, we wrote this track. And in Hebrew, it's called Hagasher Shel Elohim Lagan Aiden, God's Bridge to Heaven. And, and then it talks about you can't get to heaven through Hadat, your religion, or your good works, or Kesef, your money. But the, the place you don't want to go is at the bottom called Gehinom. That's hell. But there's a great place called Lagan Eden. Uh, we get that transliterated. Garden of Eden is their concept of heaven. And so you can go to heaven. And so I, I, I had this burden for that tract back in 05, and I started... I started seeking a way I could learn modern Hebrew. And so uh, while I was pastoring in Virginia, I wound up going to the University of Virginia to study modern Hebrew. And I studied with a young man named Daniel, who was a Jewish young man, not saved. He was a Jewish young man studying to be a rabbi. In fact, today he is a rabbi. And we studied together for four years there at the University of Virginia. And on the last night, last day we studied together, we were departing and, and we were not going to see each other. And so we went out to eat. We, we walked off campus there and we, we stepped off campus and there was a Mediterranean restaurant and I bought us dinner. And after dinner, he, he looked at me, we walked outside and he said to me, would you like some glida? Glida is a Hebrew word. Can you say that? Let's all, if you're at home, you need to participate, amen, because this is church, and you shouldn't be like you're so far away. You're, you're part of the service here, so we're going to say glida means ice cream. He asked me, would you like some ice cream? So let's all say that word glida. Ready? All at once. Ready? Say glida. Uh, I didn't hear everybody. Let's try again. Ready? Glida. Let's say it together. Glida. There's somebody at home not saying this. Kristen, quick. You're not, you're at home. You're not saying this right. It's glee da, Kristen. Can you say that? Let's all, we need to help Kristen out. Okay. So let's all say glee da. Ready? Glee da. Kristen, do you, I think you got it. Okay. But anyway, we went off, we went off the campus and we, we had some ice cream. And I remember talking to my friend one last time. And I said, Daniel, in your Bible, which is the Old Testament, and he calls it his Bible, in your Bible, and I gave him this verse, look, look here, I gave him this verse where, you know, the verse from Zechariah, which says, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. I said, Daniel, who can that be? I said, that's, that's talking about Jesus, that's in your Bible. And he looked at me and he said, Bill, he said, that, that, that's either talking about the prophet or somebody else, but it can't be talking about Jesus. I told Daniel about Isaiah 53, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And Daniel looked at me and he said, Bill, that's a problem with you Christians. You're always finding Jesus in our Bible. I said, well, yeah, we are. 
You know why? Because Jesus is all over the Old Testament. And one thing that Jesus is depicted as and pictured as is the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Now, if you're listening today and never been saved, listen. There may be somebody tuning in today and, and, and you're watching live stream and you've never done business with God where you've accepted Christ as your Savior. You know, we have this verse in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that's you, that He gave His only begotten Son, that's Jesus. Now watch this, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When he talks about perishing, he's talking about hell. And everlasting life is talking about heaven. Listen, if you want to get to heaven, you have to realize not how good you are. You can't get there through your good works. The Bible says there is none good. No, not one. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Talking about going to hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only way to get to heaven is to go to God and admit that you're a sinner and go to God with a repentant heart and say, God, I'm sorry, I don't want to go to hell. And you believe He died on that cross, He was buried, and three days later He rose again from the dead and asked Him to be your Savior. If you've never done that, you need to do that and get that matter settled. But here's the thing. Jesus in the Old Testament is pictured... As the Lamb of God. But he's not only pictured as the Lamb of God in the Old Testament, Jesus is pictured as the Lamb of God in the New Testament. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said this Behold, look at, there he is, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. But Jesus is not only the Lamb of God in the Old Testament. He's not only the Lamb of God in the New Testament. I guarantee you, if you're a Christian, you mark my word, Jesus will be seen and viewed as the Lamb of God over on the other side in heaven. And so what we're going to see today is that we need to be thankful for the sacrificial Lamb, and that is Jesus, first by seeing the selection of of the Lamb. Look with me. Go back to your Bible in Exodus chapter. Drop back to chapter 11 and verse 10. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of the land. What happened is, you remember all of those terrible plagues that happened there in Egypt, you know, from the, the, Uh, water turning blood to blood, the frogs, the lice, and all of these terrible things. And finally, the last one was coming. And that's the angel of death, or the death angel. Now notice the command. Look with me in verse 3 of chapter 12. Check it out. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And so what God told them to do, all the children of Israel each had to go out into their fields. And you understand that Israel was a massive amount of people as a whole country living there in Egypt. And they had to go out and take a lamb for a house. Now, if you had a small home like an elderly couple, they would join in, okay, with someone else. But watch the connection here. Check out verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. I want you to notice what happens. Notice what he says, your lamb. Do you notice the personal pronoun there? Your lamb. 
At one time, the lamb was out in the field, but when you bring it from there to your house, it becomes very, very personal. And that was the point, that they brought the lamb to their house to live, to be a part of their family for a little bit of time, to be your lamb. Check it out. Look at verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. The Hebrew word is tamim. It means completely pure. No blemishes at all, just like Jesus was. Look at verse 5. A male of the first year, this perfect lamb was in the prime of his life. Each family would bring this in. You know why they would do that? They would bring this lamb to their home. Check it out. I have one. Watch, watch. Pay attention. I brought my lamb with us here today. Here's my lamb today, okay? And so they would bring the lamb, all right, and they would check it out to make sure it was perfect and pure and there was nothing wrong with that lamb. But that lamb was brought into their home to become personal. Your lamb. And that's the way Jesus needs to be with each of us today. And let me say this, as a Christian, Jesus ought to be personal to you. How do you do that? You take time out each day for God and His Word. Listen, this time in our country going on, I'll tell you what, we need people. This ought to be a time you get alone with God. and You ought to spend more time with God through His Word and through prayer. He says, your lamb. This was a special lamb. The word lamb here in the book of Exodus is the Hebrew word seth, which, which is the same word in Isaiah 53, referring to Jesus. This is all a picture, a portrait of what Jesus would do for you and me. Now watch what he says. Look at verse 5 again. Check it out. We're in Exodus chapter 12. Watch verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it from out of, from the sheep or from the goats. But it says, it shall be without blemish. Does that sound familiar in the New Testament? How about this verse? Check out this verse, what it says here. It says, For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, the silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, and without spot. Peter uses the same wording as what is written by Moses in Exodus. So Jesus is the lamb in the Old Testament. He's also the lamb of the New Testament. We see the selection of the lamb. So this lamb was taken out of the field and brought into their home. Now watch the sacrifice of the lamb. Look at chapter 6 verse uh, I mean chapter 12 verse 6. And ye shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. This lamb became very personal and then the lamb was slain. Now let me ask you this, how many people do you think were in Israel at that time? Now, Israel was in the land of Goshen in a large section of Egypt there. Good estimates, and I won't go into develop all this, but good estimates say there were probably 2 million people living in Egypt at that time. So how many families are going to sacrifice a lamb? Well, let's say you have eight per family, okay? Well, if you divide eight into 2 million, 
you come up with about 250,000 sacrifices. Do you understand the immensity of this? Do you understand the scope of this? And every home, if you're a father, it was your job. Every father went out into the field and brought this lamb to their house. And guess what? There was a time when they personally got to know this lamb. And then the lamb was slain. You know, as I was reading recently through the Torah, through the first five books of the Bible, and I, you keep seeing how many sacrifices, whether it was in the tabernacle as they were on the move, or whether it was in the temple when they got to Jerusalem, and you see all it, and I was saying to myself, Lord, why are there so many sacrifices? Why so many? And then it hit me. Because every father has so many sins. Because every mother has so many sins. Because every boy has so many sins. And every girl has so many sins. And every grandpa and every grandma and cousin and every uncle and aunt. We all have so many sins that required so many sacrifices. But aren't you glad that the Bible says that what Jesus did is listen to the words once for all. Amen? Once for all. Check out this verse. Look at it here in... uh, let me get, there it is. Hebrews 10.10, 10. check it out. Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How many times? Once for all. Aren't you glad? Let's all say that together. Once for all. Amen. Isn't that good? You know, when I was a boy, I was raised Catholic. I never went to public school. I went all through Catholic school, first grade to twelfth grade. I was an altar boy. I was well trained. And every time they do a mass, a Catholic mass, they say they re-sacrifice Jesus. How sad is that? Jesus does not need to be re-sacrificed. It says here, once for all. So we see the selection of the Lamb here. You know, and we see, listen to what he says here. Drop down to verse 7. Watch the substitution here. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat. The blood was placed outside on the, on the top and on the side posts of the door. And the whole name, Passover, is because when God... When the death angel saw the blood, he would pass over that home. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. (laughs) We ought to be thankful for the sacrificial lamb. Are you thankful for his substitutionary atonement, what he did for us there on the cross? We ought to be thankful And I'll tell you what, folks, it's a blessing what Jesus did for each of us in a very personal way. You know, look up here, finally, we should be thankful for the sacrificial lamb by seeing the selection of the lamb, the sacrifice of the lamb. And finally, I want to show you this, by seeing the sovereignty of the lamb. The term lamb is used a hundred times in the Bible. Got that? The term lamb is used a hundred times in the Bible. 
It's used 69 times in the Old Testament. It's used 31 times in the New Testament. Can you tell me, can anyone tell me what book of the New Testament is the term lamb used the most? What book of the New Testament is the term lamb used the most? Book of Revelation. In the future, he is seen as the lamb of God. Take your Bible, go over to the book of Revelation chapter 5 real quick. Go over to Revelation chapter 5. Jesus is historically called the Lamb of God, and He will be seen that way in the future. Listen, when we get on the other side in heaven, we will recognize Him still as the Lamb of God. Now check out Revelation chapter 5. And by the way, this is my favorite chapter of the whole Bible right here. Revelation chapter 5. I don't have a more favorite chapter than right here. Watch what it says in verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. So what he sees here is this scroll in the hand of one seated on the throne. There is someone seated on the throne. Don't misunderstand this. That is not Jesus. This is God the Father seated on the throne. And in his hand is a scroll rolled up. And on the outside, it's sealed with seven seals. This is a formal document. How do I know it's formal? Because it's sealed with the seven seals. That makes it a formal document. Also, it's written not only he can look inside the scroll and see it's got writing there, but there's writing on the outside. This is a formal document. Look at verse 2. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Verse 3. And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look therein. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. So do you get the picture? John is seeing the Father holding the scroll as he's seated on the throne, holding the scroll out, and the call goes out, who is found worthy to take the scroll and to open it? In the annals, in the, in the area of heaven, no one's worthy. Abraham worthy? Nope. Moses worthy? Nope. David? Daniel? No one is worthy. And John, the Apostle John, begins to cry because he understands there's a desperate need for this to happen. He says in verse 4, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Look at verse 5. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, now watch this, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, And in the midst of the elders stood a who? A what? A lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. I'm going to tell you what, folks. Listen, church family, listen. This is going to be one of the greatest future historical events ever. 
what's, what's happening right here in Revelation 5. You and I, as believers, will be there. We will be there standing and watching this event. And the Father will be on the throne. He will hold out that scroll. The call will go out. Who is worthy? And no one will be found worthy. And then we will see Jesus approach the Heavenly Father as the only one who is found worthy. It says in verse 6, stood a lamb as it had been slain. Now, one of the most dramatic things in the future to come is what's going to happen in verse 7. Check it out. Look at verse 7. And he came, Jesus, and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. This is a great, tremendous event in the future. The Father holds out. You know what that is? Seven seals. The seal judgments. The book of Revelation. This is the title deed to the earth and the instructions on how to take back what is rightfully His, according to the book of Revelation. You see, because the devil has taken over this whole world. He is the God of this world. We see it. You and I, we see it. How the devil is the God of this world. And here, at this event, God is about to take back what is rightfully His. And there's only one person in the universe who is worthy to begin this to happen, and that is the Lamb of God. Watch what happens. Jesus takes the scroll, verse 8, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, the twenty-four elders, fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And he sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice, voice of many angels round about the throne, the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times, ten thousands and thousands and thousands, saying, look at verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You mark my word, there's coming a day when all of us will fall down in the throne room of God when the Father holds out that scroll and Jesus takes it and all of the realm of heaven will fall down. Watch this, and we'll cry out what? Worthy is the Lamb. You know, now Jesus wears a real crown as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we will cry out, worthy is the Lamb. Let's all, let's all say that together. Ready? Let's all say that together. Worthy is the Lamb. Now you at home, you need to say this in your living room. Okay? Let's all, hey, there's coming a day we're all going to see. Practice now. Because there's coming a day we're all going to cry this out in the throne. Hey, you don't believe this? I guarantee if you're a Christian, you're saved. There'll come a day when we're going to be down on our knees and we're all going to cry out in unison, Worthy is the Lamb! And you're going to look over at me and I'm just going to wink my eye and say, I told you so. Now let's practice it. You at home together, ready? Let's say, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. 
There's some brother Cooper at home. You missed this, brother. Come on. It's worthy is the lamb. Amen. Let's all sing this. Say this together. Ready? Worthy is the lamb. Now, brother Cooper got it. Okay. Amen. Now, look, watch verse 13. Check it out. It says, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. Heard I saying, Blessing, honor, glory, and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and the Lamb forever and ever. What are we going to say? Worthy is the Lamb. Now let me ask you a question. If Jesus is the worthy Lamb, if you're here today and never been saved, you want to meet Him there in that way. You do not want to meet Him as Lord and Judge. As we'll talk about tomorrow night, or Tuesday night, about Armageddon and what's going to happen in Armageddon, you don't want to meet Jesus that way. You want to meet Him this way. Now, if you're saved, let me say this. This ought to motivate you to do something for God now. If He is worthy, if He is the Lamb of God who is worthy, this should motivate us. When you go out into your community and you got to go to the store to buy groceries, <coughs> and someday they allow you to buy paint in the state of Michigan, <laughs> you go into the paint store, amen, and you give a tract out. You know what? Watch, listen, I'm going to finish with this. And, and we'll be done early, and you can eat lunch early if you listen. Okay? Watch for opportunities that God puts right smack in front of you. Because I'm going to tell you what we do. As Christians, we get so busy doing what we're doing, we miss opportunities. Can I tell you something? When you're home working on your house because you got renovations to do and all of a sudden you got to run to Home Depot, you should take a tract with you. You should view... When something breaks down at your house, you should view that as a divine appointment with somebody out there that needs Christ. Because there's somebody in the store that you can give a tract to. Is that too radical? Is, 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 is this radical to ask that when you go to Home Depot or, or Lowe's or you go to the store that we carry the gospel with us? Watch for opportunities. You never know when an opportunity may present itself. Almost two years ago, my wife and I were in Israel, and she had never been. We had a great time. I was her personal tour guide, just me and her. We landed at Ben-Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. And by the way, somebody asked a question about moving the capital. Capital was always Jerusalem. They didn't move the capital. They moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Just, I thought of that later. I thought maybe they didn't answer that right. But they moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Israel. And that's what was all the to-do about what Trump did. But we, uh, we traveled around, and I was showing her all the sites. The first part of our trip, we stayed with some friends of ours in Holan, right outside of Tel Aviv. There was one day, I wrote the whole itinerary out of where we would go and visit and everything. There was one big driving day on a Saturday. And so that Saturday morning, we got up. And I mean, it was a big driving day. I'll show you a map. I got a map here of Israel. And I drove from Holan at the top there 
all the way down through Beersheba, Beersheba. And then we hit all those historical sites up along the Dead Sea. At the bottom, we went to Masada, and we saw that big top rock where uh, you know, the, uh, they executed themselves or committed mass suicide. And then we went to Elat in the middle of the Dead Sea. And then we went to uh, Qumran at the top of the Dead Sea and saw the Dead Sea Scrolls. So it was a whole day and it was very busy, but that's the route I took right there. I drove all that way, hours to drive. I drove half of Israel that day. We got up to the Sea of Galilee and where I found a place to stay. It was a beautiful place, very inexpensive, out in the country. And uh, you see that knob right there, I'll call it a knob. If you go down over that knob, there's a little village called Kinneret. And, and we stayed at a little cottage. That's the Sea of Galilee right there. So we drove that whole way. And we left the Dead Sea probably around 5 o'clock. took about two hours to get up to Sea of Galilee. We get up there, and we stayed at a place called uh, Kinneret Village. Right there, that's it. And when we pulled in, when I pulled in with the car, and we were going to stay at this cottage for about a week or so, there was a young lady sitting on that little porch. See that deck right there? There's a young lady sitting with her suitcase. And uh, I was got out of the car, and the young lady said, "Excuse me, if and, and she spoke in English, but she had a had an Israeli accent." She said, "Excuse me, if you are staying here," she said, "I believe the key is under the mat." Well, I walked over toward where she was sitting on that deck right there, and I walked over and I said, "Oh, do you work here?" And she said, "No, no, they are gone for the day." She said, "There's a note on your door," and she began. It looked like she started crying. And she kind of put her head down and she said, but I believe the key is under the mat. I said, oh, okay. So I I went back to the car and we moved our stuff into the little cottage there. And I said to my wife, I said, there's something going on with that young lady. I said, I'm going to go back and talk to her. So I went back and I came out right to that deck that you see. She was sitting on the deck with her suitcase, with her luggage. I said, excuse me. I said, "Uh, everything okay? She began to cry. She said, no, this is not okay. I said, well, what, what's going on? Can I tell you, the people in Israel, just like here, they got problems just like you and me. And she began to cry, and she said, I came up here for the weekend, and, and my boyfriend and I, and it's such a beautiful place, and we stayed here. But she said, then we had a fight, and he cussed at me, and he cussed at me, and he drove off, and he said, he is leaving me here, and I am stuck, I am stranded. I said, where are you from? She said, Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, two and a half hours away. Her name was Elah, like the valley of Elah where David killed Goliath. I told her my name and I told her I was a pastor and I said, um, Elah, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. But and I sat down beside her on that deck and I said, do you mind if I have a word of prayer for you? She said, yes, yes, that would be fine. I said, now I will pray in the name of Yeshua. But said there, Okay. She said, yes, yes, that's fine. So I prayed for Elah, sitting there on that deck right there. And when I was done praying, I said, Elah, you have a, you have a problem here, but I want to talk to you about another problem. And I took out this gospel tract. And I said, can I just share with you another problem? And I showed her that, and when I held that up, and that's Hebrew, she, she translated it into English. I said, Elah, what does that say? And she said, That says God's bridge to heaven. I said, right, got it. 
I said, you see right here, and I walked her through, and I said, you see, it says the problem of man chata is sin. Well, she knew she was a sinner for what she was doing there. I said, our sin separates us from God, and we can't get to heaven, but we would go to Gehinom. But God has made a way. You can't get there by your good works, your religion, or anything else, but guess what? And I showed her that, that scene right there. I said, Derech Yeshua, Jesus is the way to heaven. At the end, I showed her, I said, it says, Hagasher shall Elohim Lagan Eden. God's bridge to heaven is Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Well, Elad did not get saved, but I had the opportunity right on that deck right there to share with her the gospel. I said, now let's talk about your, your other problem. I said, can we get a bus or a taxi? She said, no, 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 today is the Sabbath. It was Saturday. And they closed. All, bu- all buses and taxis stopped. And that's a big issue right now, and is amongst others. I said, wow. I said, she said, you see my problem? She's sitting there with her luggage. Her boyfriend has left her there. She lives two and a half hours away in Jerusalem. And me, I just drove half of Israel that day, and I am beat tired. It's 8 o'clock at night, and I'm really tired. Preacher, have you ever had to do ministry when you were tired? I thought for a moment, and I looked at her, and I said, I'll tell you what, Eli. I said, if we can't find you another way, I said, I'm going to go get my wife, and we're going to drive you home. Well, she lit up because she was really stuck, and she lit up. And she said, but you are a stranger. She said, you would do these for me. Well, that's what Christians do, amen? Or that's that's what Christians should do. I said, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll take care of that. I'll get my wife and we'll drive you back to Jerusalem. She looked at me stunned and she said, Bill, you are such a good man. You are such a good man. She said, may I ask you a question? She said, do you happen to have a son who is not yet married? that girl was moving on from that dude and she should move on from that dude. Amen? I laughed. I said, well, Eli, I have a son, but he is already married. But here's my point. My point is this. God will drop opportunities with people right in front of you. And if you're so busy trying to run your errand and get something fixed, or if you're so busy because you got to get your coffee and run, you're going to miss obvious opportunities that God drops right in front of you. We need to try to reach people for Christ. He is the Lamb. He is worthy of our service. The Lamb of the Old Testament. The Lamb of God of the New Testament. And you mark my word, He is the Lamb of God in the future. When we get to heaven, we will view Him with that title, the Lamb of God. And He is the worthy one. And He's worthy of our work. Amen? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Dear God, thank You for Jesus being the worthy Lamb. And Lord, one day in heaven, we will see Him as such. But Lord, in the time we have now, help us to not miss opportunities to serve You. Help us to be willing to take time out to reach others with the great good news of the Gospel. And thank you for this time and these people who have watched and listened. I pray your blessing on this church. 
We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.